0: The Lord be with you. Let us pray. God, our Creator, when you speak, there is light and life. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may listen to one another, speak the truth in love, and bear much fruit in the service of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, We are in Romans chapter 3. Welcome, Dick. I think we're, we're in uh, Romans chapter 3, and we're at starting at verse 21. Uh, last week we kind of finished up a section of Romans, kind of if you divide them into big groups. And um, so this week we're moving into another one uh verses 21 of chapter three through verses uh, verse uh, 25 of chapter four have to do with the saving righteousness of God it is a uh, this is one of those that's got so much meat on the bone that uh, almost in reading through it and I hopefully y'all will read through it some this week. Um, you almost have to look at every word and ponder on it before you go to the next phrase. But um, if, I'd like for us to read it all at once and then kind of work back through it. So if someone would be kind enough to read uh, in chapter 3, verses 21 through 31, I would appreciate it. Thanks, Mike.
1: But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. For is God the God of Jesus only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law.
0: Thank you, Mike. It's kind of divided, if you will, in verses 21 through 26. It's God's righteousness in the death of Christ. Then 27 through 31 is righteousness by faith for Jews and Gentiles. And then next week we'll talk about, uh, at least get started in chapter 4, which deals with Abraham as father of both Jews and Gentiles. Um, Last week we were... We finished up, but I want to start with verse. just kind of read verse 19 and 20 as a lead-in to today. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And then, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. You know, God, you know, Israel had just, you know, it, it kind of in its history had drifted back and forth in kind of their allegiance to to God and following, and, and get away, and then would come back, and it's kind of like we ourselves a lot of times, you know, we we as kids, if you will, you know, we did what our parents asked, and then there were other times we were rebellious. Well, it's just like the Jews were. And God had re- was at a point where, you know, He He called Israel, but He now faced a, a dilemma. They, they had become evil too, maybe in a different sort of way than those around them, but the evil had overcome them. And You know, if if evil was to be judged, he would be, if you will, in a conflict with what he had promised Abraham. And that, you know, he would be the father of a great nation. And for a long time, that was taken literally as those that were descendants of his. But God meant it in a different way. And you know we talked some last week about you know the circumcision, and it had to do with circumcision of the heart, not physically and so that gets into those that were not Jewish by birth but were by brought into God's family, Abraham's family, by their belief by their righteousness,
2: yes. Sounds
0: dumb, but define righteousness. <laughs> righteousness is a word that it, it's almost where you look at it, and you know, our definition of it is in some ways the way the definition was when Paul wrote, and that's what it gets translated into. But it has to do with God being just. It ha- our righteousness has to do with our obedience. It's a word that kind of it depends on the very connotation of where it's used a lot of times as to what it absolutely... So
2: it's the sum of a collection of virtues?
0: can be. But it's also God's being, which God—you know, virtues would not be something we associate with God. Yeah. Um,
2: but when you say the righteousness of God...
0: It's His done. just. Because he, you know, he is just in what he does. He's true to holiness. it. Go ahead, Brian. His holiness. Holiness. Thank you. Perfectly righteous. She's holy. I asked the same question one Sunday not long ago
3: when you weren't here, mm-hmm. and because my my question is, it's so many times you'll make a, a subjective uh, comment about somebody else. That guess he's a righteous guy, and it's it's a very Margaret Harper, at the end of the meeting, and, and, anyway, she, said, she began, said something I thought was just very simple. She said, well, being righteous just means you're right with God. So, yeah. It's not very simple, and, but, I, you
0: know. But God is righteous also, so um, he's, he's, you know. But as Brian just yeah, said, I mean, it has to do with his holiness. And the first
3: question is, can someone who, because I, I mentioned an example of somebody I used to work with who was a non-Christian probably an atheist, or agnostic at best. He's a very powerful, very wealthy person, very kind and gentle and did a lot of good works. And did, I mean, and was was well-loved. And would you, you know, could you, it would seem to me, you almost say that this is a righteous guy. But he was not not a believer.
0: Well, by what he did would be of works. Okay? And, you know, jumping ahead, but in 27... What becomes of our boasting? It is excluded, and it's excluded because of, by works we can boast of what we've done, or we can boast of what somebody else has done.
3: Well, I've always heard that about works is that that's you know the, the danger of counting our works is that you can be self-righteous. And this particular individual I'm talking
0: about was very humble. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to. Right, but you know, right, but, it, way, you know so it, it has to do with works by. works by the law versus works by faith.
2: What what both of you have been saying makes me think of something I heard on the radio this morning. It was Harry Ritter, the Bywood preacher, Mm -hmm. talking, and he said, you don't know there's a remedy if you don't know there's a malady.
0: Yeah. Well, that's kind of like the last thing here. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But moving on. So God was, you know, in this, all are evil, both the Jews who I made a covenant with Abraham about, and evil needs to be punished. Now, if I punish those that are outside the covenant of Abraham, the non Jews, I'm showing favoritism to the Jews. And that's a conflict that God and what he did uh, through Christ has worked out. And so, you know, you think about uh, favoritism. We we're all in one class or another at some point in time in our school career and always had and there was somebody that was the teacher's pet and always got preferential treatment, could do something wrong and nothing happened to them. We could do the same thing and, you know, we'd have the book thrown at us. Uh, you know, detention, whatever. And... Um, God's not like that. And so, you know, God's justice, uh, you know, His covenant faithfulness uh, with His people required something different. And so that's where the gospel unveils God's judgment. It's a complex issue that, uh, you know, the Jews were given a commission of what to do and they weren't doing it. Uh, they had proven to be unfaithful, and now had become part of the problem. You know, God had faced evilness and you know total evilness in the world before, in that you know He all but destroyed the world with the flood. But Noah found favor with God, and so mankind was saved. Now, you know. <laughs> You can't say it came full circle because I don't think the circle was ever broken, but it, it's there before him again, and so he's got to remain true to that covenant, but yet at the same time avoid the favoritism that evil is punishment, and so through that, you know, through you know, there's no distinction about the evilness. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is Jesus Christ. So we had Christ who came down from heaven. He was God made man and He was faithful. He was, he was what God would have had us be that would have obeyed the law perfectly which man since Adam had been unable to do because Adam was unable to do it you know it was just a short time that he and Eve were in the garden and things um, went awry and so there needed to be someone that came and allowed God to be true to his covenant promise Promise, but yet provide an answer to the world gone wrong that's lost in sin. And so that's where Christ and His faithfulness in fulfilling Israel's commission, because they were really commissioned to take the message of God to the world, but they kept it for themselves. You know, we've got God in... You know, when you've got something that's yours and you see it as yours only, you know, you try to protect it. You don't want it to get out of your reach. You want it right there. You can kind of get your arms around. And Israel as a nation had not been sharing what God wanted them to share about Him. And a lot of it is, quite frankly, they probably didn't fully understand the promise to Abraham as being something more than actual descendants. Because, you know, quite frankly, it's hard. You know, when you say you'll be head of a great nation, which is viewed back then as really family, to see something other than, you know, here are all my descendants. But by the same token, when God says, look in the heavens, and see the stars, you can't count as high as the number of stars you see or the grains of sand. That tells you that it's got to be something more. But you have to deal with that concept. So, Christ was obedient in that He came down. He was obedient in His submission to God's will. But through that, He redeemed that through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Now, redemption back then had to do with buying a slave at the slave market and setting them free. You redeemed them from slavery. You bought them out of slavery. So it wasn't like you went to the slave market and bought them and took them home. You bought them and said, go do what you want to do. You allowed them to become a real person, if you will, not a piece of property. And so, what Christ did was redeemed us from the slavery, the bondage of sin. And so, through that you know, propitiation by His blood to be received by faith that through God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He passed over former sins. Now, to appropriate in the Greek is a helisterion, which can mean to placate anger or to appease. In, In some... And the RSVP says it expitiates or annuls the sin. And, you know, why would that be needed? God's holy wrath on evil. You know, his anger was aroused by evil. And as I mentioned back uh, about Noah a few minutes ago, God found favor with Noah. And Noah became the way to move forward and allow the human race to basically be regenerated and the rest of the world destroyed. But that didn't work. And years later, centuries later, God found Abraham to be righteous. Now, It wasn't by anything that Abraham had done. It was just how God found. Well, he just found probably by, you know, he found a person, and I can't say it was less than evil, because even, you know, in the Old Testament, it doesn't really talk about righteousness, but it says God found favor with Noah. It also tells us in Exodus, God found favor with Moses. It wasn't necessarily something that we can lay a hand on and say they did, but it's what God did. He found something that said, Noah, I want you to do this. He found something that he said, Moses, I want you to do this. He found something in essence with Abraham being righteous that said, I want you to do this. I want you to move from earth and go. Now, how many of us would do that? Um, even with Moses, you know, he was told to go back to where he'd run off from and in effect his half-brother, step-brother, whatever, who was now Pharaoh, and confront him. Moses, excuse me, Noah, had to build an ark. Now, you know, if I would go in my backyard, well, my backyard is too small, but if if I were to start building an ark, what would everybody here say? He'd laugh. But Noah did it. Moses went back. Abraham moved away. There was something that God found in these men that He chose them to do something for Him.
3: Did you think he knew
0: that about them before they were born? Well, if you read the... Yeah? I mean, in Paul...
3: But it said that very, very in Jeremiah.
0: Well, but even in, in Paul... Uh, you know, call you know Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophecies. You know, so that's God knows. Um, you know who does the propitiating. You know pagans would offer sacrifices to an angry God. But as a Christian, we know we can't placate a righteous God. There's nothing we can do. Now, during the time of the Old Testament, God provided for the Jews sacrifices that were acceptable. The pagans just took whatever they thought might appease their God because they didn't know. I mean, you know, a statue, a piece of wood, the moon, whatever they worshiped, couldn't talk to them, couldn't provide. But God did. But, you know, but now God has done through love what we could not do. In 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 10, in this love, God's love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. You know, John saw that God had sinned and what He had done. And so this was accomplished by Christ giving Himself up. Now, others would see in looking at Hebrews um, chapter 9, verse 5, that... Um, Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these things we cannot now speak in detail. That is the same word, Greek word, that pelesterian. So it, it can be come back to the mercy seat. And if you think the mercy seat was in the temple and it's where, you know, God would have sat and judged. So Christ would have become on the mercy seat to judge. But, you know, it's part of what happens here is, you know, God has told us what the final day is going to be like, and He's brought it to us in the middle of time. You know, it's, as I was doing this and thinking about it, it's kind of like if you're in a course, and I just thought physics, and the professor gives you in the middle of the term, here's what's on the final, and here's the answer. Now, there are going to be some people that list, listen to that, and hear it, and respond. And so when the final comes, they got it down. And there are others that are going, yeah, right, okay, I got other things to do. Let's say at 4 o'clock, I got to go where? And so as a Christian that has accepted this, that God has provided through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, that redemption, we know what the answer is going to be on the final day. Paul's telling us that here. But it's it's that we have to get to the point of understanding and accepting. Justification by faith is when we believe in the gospel. Gospel God declares, vindicated, and in the future we are assured of what is going to happen. God's promised, God's told us, and so He is there so that we now know where we're going to be and what shall be happening. But we have to, to be there. Then, going back to uh, the righteousness, it's for both Jew and Gentile, and it's by faith. You know, what then becomes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works, no. So it's not by, you know, we can't boast by what we've done under the law, because what we've done, you know, we can try to do everything just right, but we're gonna fall short. You know, it's. Uh, I was thinking something this morning. It's not a good analogy, but it's the one I thought of. It's like. You know, we see it in baseball a lot. When a guy, the batter hits it to the second baseman and he knows it's an easy play for the second baseman, he half-heartedly runs to first base. But if you've ever coached little kids, what do you tell them? Always run all the way to first as fast as you can, no matter what. But now these pro guys, they're barely going down. So they're not doing what they should be doing, what they were taught. They're half heartedly doing it. And so it's just like if you're trying to do and obey the law, there are some parts of it you become half-hearted in. And you don't get do overs. You know, if you've sinned, you sin. One one sin's the same as a hundred or a thousand. You've fallen short. And you know and if that baseball player had run all the way through Second baseman thinking, "Oh, this is an easy out. I just lob it over there to him." Well, the lob falls short and rolls on the ground, or the first baseman flubs the catch. But because you lollygag, you're out. Could have lost the game because of it. So the same thing with sin. It's we can't get there, and our boastings, in and of itself, becomes a sin because we've become prideful. And so others get us there. Um, in, in talking about the boasting, also looking at Romans uh, 10, uh, verses 4 through 9. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about righteousness that is based on the law, that a person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss?" and that is to bring Christ up from the death. But what does it say? The word you hear is in your mouth and your heart. That is the words of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And so this justification by faith then becomes a sure and unfailing sign that the gospel has transferred, transformed, excuse me, the heart of a person. Here again, that circumcision of the heart. The heart of the person is changed.
2: That means the person's will is changed.
0: Well. Will, as you talk about it in the Bible, can get complicated. It's that it's not so much our will, but we are transformed. We have a different view. And we know that even when we don't succeed in doing what God would have us to do, that we're still forgiven. And that forgiveness because of Christ allows us to know what our judgment is in the future. We know the outcome today that no matter when we fall short, it's not if we fall short, but every day when we fall short, that by confessing Christ, not only verbally, but in our whole spirit and body and being.
2: So saying that your
0: heart has changed is not the same as saying your will has changed. Well, like I say, will you know? is a to me that becomes you get into free will to me. Well, be easy, didn't yeah, well, no, I knew, I knew, as I you know when I first. <laughs> No, I no, I knew the two of y'all. Uh, the you know, you know, when I first read through it I thought, okay, I could get a little further And when I came up with a title, but then the more I read through it, I'm going, I made a mistake in thinking this and sharing with bond to where I thought I could go. And John called my hand on him and I go, you know, I think I can get there. No. Um This is tough. It is. And that's why I said to begin with, it's something I would encourage everybody to go through and read basically chapter 3, verse 21 through chapter 4, verse 25 and read it daily for three months to absorb it. But... Paul is trying to get us to understand that you know, that faith is a badge that's in the present that marks a new covenant people. It's not a new covenant from God, but it more fully clarifies the covenant, the agreement that God made with Abraham. And while man may break his covenant in agreement with God, God will not break his covenant. And it's through that change in really of our being that we become something different. And, you know, we're bound by, you know, here again, what we talked about before, that box that, you know, is human nature that we see, and God's not in the box. And you can't put a box around God, no matter how hard we try. And so for us to think outside of that box and to understand that unmerited grace that we have is challenging.
3: Here's the thing that I continue to wrestle with, it's not an easy topic, and that is um, how much control, I mean, you might say predestination or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I think you alluded a little while ago, and I don't remember the example about somebody being chosen or set apart because of their righteousness or their faithfulness or whatever. And I, I continue to be confused about which comes first. And, you know, if you look at... It uses the words in Romans here about being set apart. And I mean, but if you go back to the first chapter of Jeremiah, which is only one example in the, in the Bible, but it says um, in verse 4, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nation. Before you were born. And so, if, and there are other verses in the Bible have similar right deals, similar um, comments or similar meanings, I think. And so that's my real question: is is is, or my confusion, I guess, or or interest, <laughs> is you know what really comes first? Because if, if that's true, which it's the Word of God, I mean. Uh, I I mean, if you take that at face value, I say that. Um, then it would have all kinds of implications about what well, you really do have free choice. Does God know anything? He knows in advance what you're going to do. for cho- well, whatever your mission is, he knew it before you were born. Yes. Whatever he's chosen you to do. Yes. So be so he huh? may not choose everybody. Huh? He may not choose everybody. Well, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't know. Know. And, 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 you know, he you, you. You can't screw it up because it's, it's so your, your question is, did, did God choose, for instance, Noah because he recognized something in Noah or uh, did he choose Noah so consequently uh, Noah
2: uh, he well, gave Noah the, the
3: power to, to do whatever? It, it gets into, you know, it gets into all kinds of questions. And, not derri-
0: your this topic, I don't get to this chapter, but um, do you really have free choice? Because I think you do have free choice, but I think God knows what, they're about, what your well, about you're just saying before you make them. Well, to me, and this is outside of it, but there's a know. difference, you know, in, in the um, articles. It talks about free will. Free will and choice, or choice and will are two different, biblically, I think, two different concepts. In the Bible, in the way God. Will, we cannot willfully choose God. But I can choose when I leave this class to go to church. I can choose to go home. But I can't say, God, I'm going to be yours. We can't actively do that because then and this gets beyond me, we have a part in our salvation, which we really don't. We have a part in that we accept that gift that God has given to us. But the fact that it's given to us is God's will.
3: Into a discipline uh, to give your—I know this is wrong—to give yourself a better chance of him choosing you.
0: No, he—he knew beforehand because you know here again, you know, going back to Genesis, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's talking about man's heart. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, and man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made him. But God found favor in the eyes of the Lord. We don't know what Noah did to distinguish himself from anybody else, but God found favor. He he selected him. He chose him may have been Noah was doing less evil. I don't know. But God found something that Noah had done or that God saw that Noah would do. It may not have been something in the past, but it was in the future. Noah would build the ark that God asked him to build, that God commanded him.
2: I think the other possibility is that there was nothing special about Noah at all until God chose him.
0: Right, and the same thing with Moses, and uh, you know any of the others, uh, even. Um, I
3: think Paul's on. Believe this, and that's great. I'm not. I'm not saying that I do. but I, I think I may be wrong. I think you guys may know differently. I think he really believe. I think he believed that you were chosen before you were born, and you were chosen I mean, before you were born. God knows whether you're going to heaven. He's got, you know, time is no, not a dimension.
0: And so, I mean, that, that really gets... it's, it's not, you know, it's one of those things that it's, it's challenging. And, you know, it, what I was reading before from uh, Romans 10.4, if you look back at Romans 9.30 and reading to 4, what... Shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have have attained it, that is, the righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law because they did not pursue it by faith but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. Behold, I am laying a." In Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. You know, so here again, it's the works. You know, the law was there, and people thought, as long as we did the law, we'll get there. It's that by faith the circumcised believed that by faith. You know, look here at the last verse. Or the, the the verse thirty. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith, that is, those that were circumcised the Jew by their faith, and then the uncircumcised through their faith.
2: Then Peter says, "Faith without works is dead. Worse that without faith may be dead."
0: Well, it's and it's here again that the law was not overthrown by faith. It's that we uphold the law through our faith. You know, because you can't say, well, I can just forget the law because I've been saved. No, I can't. It's still God's law. And We should, with all our being, attempt to uphold it. And so you can't cast the law, and therefore work.
3: That was always my understanding was that the Ten Commandments nobody can keep the Ten Commandments. Period. So, and therefore the reason for the Ten Commandments is to to show us that we can't, we can't comply. We have to have the saving faith.
0: That's right. But we also through that faith, because the Ten Commandments, if you will, are God's moral laws. And so we still need, because we believe and accept in our faith what Christ has done, we still need to work at obeying the laws and not saying, well, I've been saved, I can do whatever I want. No. Because then you're not showing... Your faith, and that's part of where the Jews had fallen down, is they were not carrying the message that God wanted them to carry to the world about Him.
3: Yeah, I think the really a deep question is: Is do you really have a choice? Does God know before you're born which laws you're going to uphold and which you're not going you to uphold, up would you will either have faith or not? So, do you really? And I think I was I've heard I've heard Paul say that. Paul said, "Well, oh, you like choice." I mean, that was his biblical belief, right or wrong. I and mean, not everybody believes that. Not every clergyman believes that. I mean, it's just an interesting concept to wrestle with in your.
0: Well, see, I go back at biblically, will and choice are different. And Steve's view, Steve's view, and I, I stand. The question one free will and God. He said
2: limited free will. <laughs>
0: choice and will. Have a great week, enjoy, and we will continue with the struggle.